Welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, joined as always by 4for4.com's John Paulson. You hear him every week on the podcast. You see all of his rankings. If you don't have a subscription yet to 4for4.com, make sure you jump on it because John not only is handing out, uh, putting together his rankings uh, and updating those frequently, he is also churning out some great content as well. How are we doing, John? I'm doing great, and it's funny that you mentioned the content. Uh, we just dropped the uh, 2018 Draft Day Strategery article, which is my big 4,000-plus word uh, article about uh, my overall draft strategy this year. So uh, listeners who enjoy reading that, uh, like uh, draft strategy stuff, uh, be sure to check that out. I always like to say the word strategery. Uh, because it's a it's the throwback to George Bush. So yeah, George W. Bush. Who you know that that seems so long ago. It really it really does. Uh, all right, let's dive in here. We we've already covered quarterbacks. We've covered running backs. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, make sure that you go back, give them a listen. The last two, the most accurate podcast. Last one was running backs. The one before that was quarterbacks. Today we're going to do a deep dive into the wide receiver position, and then next week we'll wrap up this series with the tight end episode. Before we do that, talk to us, talk to us about the music that brought us in. Yeah, this is uh, a band that only has four songs on Spotify. Uh, the name of the band is strange weather. I went to their website to try to find a little bit more about them. Uh, it's all it says is in the about page is strange weather is an East coast experimental pop band. Uh, they have four songs on Spotify. As I mentioned, this one has, uh, 33,369 listens. So it's really uh, not a very well-known song. So hopefully listeners will uh, check it out. It's called Little Bit of Light. It was released last year uh, just as a single. Uh, so uh, check it out. All right. Before we cover the latest news, a couple of housekeeping items first. Be sure to use the code TMAP, the most accurate podcast, TMAP, to get 10% off any 444 subscription. Also, be sure to check out 444's other podcast. You've got the DFS MVP with TJ Hernandez and Holden Kushner and Holden's solo pod, which is called Fantasy First, which is a short daily podcast. It keeps listeners up to date on the latest fantasy news. I know, John, at some point we're going to have Holden on. I'm going to interview him a little bit to just kind of give him an opportunity to talk about fantasy first. Let's dive into that news, though. Heartbreaking news for running back Darius Geis, the Washington Redskins rookie running back. He tore his ACL. Who gets the workload now in Washington? Well, I, I took a little flack actually on Twitter about uh, my take on Chris Thompson because I think now he he's in a lot in for a larger workload in terms of carries especially, and I think his catches probably go up a little bit too because Geis was looking pretty good in the passing game as well according to reports from from camp. So uh, Thompson through the first ten weeks last year he averaged ten point nine touches, four point two catches for eighty six total yards and point five six touchdowns. Uh, at that point, he was the number 11 PP, uh, PPR running back. He was number 10 in standard, so he had value in both formats since he was scoring so many touchdowns. The, the touchdown rate's probably uh, unsustainable, but even if he um, regresses there a little bit, I think he's still a, a good uh, number two running back in PPR formats. And I said uh, on Twitter that uh, he's worthy of a late third, early fourth round pick. Uh, he's obviously got the uh, fibula thing people jumped on me and uh, pointed to the fact that he said he wasn't going to be fully, fully healthy until November. That's what his doctors told him. Uh, But he is fully, he's practicing. I don't think he's fully practicing in terms of contact, but he's practicing and he's fully expected to play in week one. So I'm not too worried about the, uh, 
the the right uh, ankle there uh, for 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 Thompson. So I think he gets most of that uh, work, not most of the work, but he he ta- he jumps from maybe around seven value up to around four or five value, and then it's between uh, Rob Kelly and uh, Samaje P Ryan. Did I get that right? You nailed it. Nice job. Oh man, uh, <laughs> those two are kind of battling uh, for the uh, the early down carries first and second down because they're not going to they're not going to run Chris Thompson a bunch on first and second down. They, they want to limit his workload a bit. Uh, Byron Marshall is also in the mix. Capri Bibbs. Uh, right now, it looks like Kelly, who they his his own nickname is Fat Rob Kelly, but he's lost some weight. And apparently is looking better uh, than he had had been the last couple of years. So uh, Kelly might be a little bit ahead of P Ryan, uh, but that's an interesting camp out of the watch because whoever wins that probably will see 180, 200 uh, carries and maybe that goal line work as well. But I think, you know, Thompson's the, the running back to own there in Washington. All right. So this was interesting. The athletics, Jeff Zebrek considers that, uh, and I hope I got that name wrong. I apologize, Jeff, if you're listening and I get, and I hacked that up, but he's the uh, athletic writer of the Ravens athletic writer. John Brown apparently is the standout right now of K- uh, Ravens camp per Zrebeck. Nobody made more plays than Brown during training camp. He echoed coach John Harbaugh, who signed, who signed, uh, who, who noted that Brown basically was dominant this, this um, uh, so far in training camp and, had a lot of praise for him. What are you making of John Brown, given that the Ravens don't have, uh, outside of Michael Crabtree, a lot going on in the passing game? Yeah, this was a signing when they made it. I immediately, my uh, I have a Boston Terrier, and when he hears a funny noise, his ears perk up. And my ears perked up when uh, John Brown got signed by the Ravens because there's so much opportunity there uh, in Baltimore with all the, you know, just everybody leaving, basically. Mike Wallace, Jeremy Macklin, uh, Dennis Pitta, et cetera. Uh, so tons of targets available. And then John Brown, the reason I get a little bit excited about him is you look back at his first two years in the league and, you know, heading into the 2016 season, he was really one of the most exciting young receivers in the game. As a rookie, he had 102 targets, only 48 catches. So the catch rate wasn't there, but 696 yards and five touchdowns, pretty solid rookie season. Uh, then as a, a sophomore, uh, 15 games, 101 targets, 65 catches. So the catch rate jumped up significantly to 64%. Uh, he went over 1,000 yards, 1,003 yards, caught seven balls, uh, seven touchdowns rather, um, you know, got the deep speed um, there in Arizona. And then over the last two years, he's just been unable to stay fully healthy. He played 15 games in 2016, but only caught 39 passes due to the sickle cell issue he's having or he was having, I don't know how how much he's over that. And then last year it was even worse, 21 catches for 299 yards and three touchdowns. And it looks like the Cardinals basically, that was over 10 games. And the Cardinals basically gave up on him, let him walk. Um, and he's filling a role now with the Ravens that they desperately need, playmakers in the passing game. So, you know, 12th round or so is his ADP. Uh, I think that's a, a good time to take a stab with him. And if, you, if, he, if he falls down with injury again or – um, suffers um, or just misses some games or, or whatever, you're not uh, spending a lot of draft capital on him uh, on draft day. It's something somebody you can bench or cut if you have to, but he, there's a lot of upside here with him because he's a talented receiver uh, and he's there's a lot of opportunity in Baltimore. Let's talk about Rashad Penny. The uh, I, I feel like we talked about him a lot last week and there's a lot of not drama, but, you know, consternation about who's going to be the starting running back in Seattle. Well, maybe things got a little bit more clear, at least at the start of the, the season. According to the Seattle Times' Bob Condotta, 
where he reported that Rashad Penny suffered a hand injury. We now know that he's got a broken finger. He'll undergo surgery, and he'll be out for three to four weeks. So give us an update on Seattle's backfield, John. Well, I, I've, I've been moving Carson up slowly and Penny down slowly, and now it looks like Penny is you know going to miss a month of reps, and uh, it looks like Carson is you know in line to start uh, the year as the RB1. I, I think Penny's uh, probably better. Uh, he tested really well in uh, – the, the combine and uh, in our uh, Kevin Zatukol, I f- forget his uh, pronunciation of his name exactly. Sorry, Kevin, if you're listening, uh, we got lots of <laughs> lots of apologies for, for different people. Uh, but he did a, a running back study um, that uh, like predicted the chances of a, of a of a back having a certain number of you know, fancy points in the first two or three seasons, and and uh, Penny really tested well on that. So he has a lot of. Uh, in terms of the numbers, has a has a good chance of, of being a productive fantasy back for uh, uh, within the first two or three years. Uh, so I'm excited about him in that respect. But this whole thing with Chris Carson is is obviously put a damper on his ADP. And uh, you know, if you can start to get him in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, uh, maybe as your RB three, RB four, and, and sort of wait on him uh, until either injuries or talent takes over there, then uh, you're probably in good shape. But you had something inter- interesting to say prior to the. Uh, us recording this podcast about the Seattle. Do you think they know what they're doing over there? Yeah, I, I, I mentioned to you. I said, you know what? I, I'm starting to I'm starting to wonder whether or not Seattle knows what the hell they're doing. I think is how I how I phrased it, John. Um, I got a chance to see Brian Schottenheimer, their new their new offensive coordinator, um, uh, up close and personal here in St. Louis when he was the OC for Jeff Fisher. And granted, it was Jeff Fisher, and he certainly had. Um, his own philosophy cut right from the 1980s football on how to on how to run an offense. Uh, so that you kind of got to factor that in. But you know, Schottenheimer, super nice guy, didn't impress me here from a play calling standpoint. He seemed to kind of you know play play calling. There's a there's a little bit of um, uh, kind of uh, you know like an, uh, an, an almost like an artist painting. You know, he the, you kind of build off of it, and before you know it, you got a complete picture. With Schottenheimer, it was almost like he was calling plays like you know, a video game. If you're, if you're young and you're playing a video game, you're like, ah, this play looks good. This play looks good. And it, it kind of had a choppy feel to, to uh, how, he, how he called the game. Anyways, going back to Seattle's situation, I, I remarked to you, outside of Russell Wilson and outside of Doug Baldwin, I'm, not, I'm staying completely away from every Seattle position player in fantasy this year. Russell Wilson's a god. And Doug Doug Baldwin is you know um, one one B to Russell Wilson because those two are, are always in sync. Outside of those two guys, I'm staying as far away from Seattle's offense this year. I think it could be an absolute mess. And you mentioned that one of the guys you are targeting is Alex Collins, and he used to be a Seahawk, and they cut him, so they didn't know what they, they right. Know what they had. Right. That was the whole, that was the whole start of this whole uh, conversation about the Seahawks. Yeah, I really like Alex Collins, and you're right. I mean, he they. They didn't know what they seemingly didn't know what they had in Seattle. They've been going through all these running backs. They paid Eddie Lacy, who you saw in Green Bay, John, and, and they get him there and they they had to build in extra incentives to keep him for getting even bigger than what he was. And meanwhile, you got this guy in Alex Collins who I mean, if you look at all the advanced metrics and look at look from a efficiency standpoint, Alex Collins was excellent last year in Baltimore. And and you didn't remind me where his where's Alex Collins ADP right now, John? He's going in the uh, early fourth round. God, I think that's such a huge value. If you're picking late in the first round and you 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 draft players and not positions, and you know that you got to get these running backs, but those some of those top wide receivers are sitting there. 
you know, if you take a wide receiver there and you're worried about finding a, a decent running back in the middle rounds, I think there's so much value in Alex Collins in the fourth. I agree. And he's moving up uh, my rankings. He's now in the, the high end RB2 PPR formats. He's not even big in PPR because he's wasn't that involved in the passing game last year, but they started to get him involved towards the end of the season. And if that carries over and he starts to catch three to five passes every, every game, then uh, suddenly he's going to be a, a top 10 PPR back. But just back to uh, Kevin Zatlukal. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he's our, uh, he's actually a PhD. He's a four for four contributor. He's the one that did the uh, forecasting uh, 2018 NFL rookie RB success. It's a three year model. Uh, it was updated uh, June 6th, and you can follow him on Twitter at K. C-Z-A-T. I uh, just wanted to give him a shout out after butchering his name earlier in the podcast. <laughs> we don't try to butcher these names. I mean, there's we a don't. lot of, there's a lot of beat writers and stuff like that, that uh, we're trying to stay, stay up on. And, and a lot of the beat writers, or a lot of the writers, they don't have that, you know, that, that guide for you to kind of break things down. So we'll, we'll try to get these right when we can. All right. Before we get into your wide receiver tiers, John, which is the purpose of the podcast today, I want to start off with a basic strategy. What do you recommend when it comes to drafting the wide receiver position this year? Just kind of give us an overview. Well, what, what I usually do at the start of the season is look at my projections or get a feel for the whole position. And what I'm, what I'm seeing this year is a lot of depth. Uh, it is a little bit top heavy. So you have some really good wide receiver ones going in the first couple of three rounds. And then there's a little bit of a drop off. Uh, but there's just a lot of depth as you get into the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth rounds. Like guys I'm excited about taking in the ninth round, uh, which I'll talk about later. Uh, so if that's the case, if there's guys going that late that you're sort of excited to take, then you don't want to necessarily fill up your wide receiver core that early, especially if there's. Uh, you know, top heavy tight end uh, ranks, which there are this year, you know, maybe you want to draft a Zach Ertz in the third round instead of drafting a wide receiver there. Uh, if it's top, uh, top heavy and running back, which it is this year with, we talked about the 13 or 14 uh, running backs uh, last week that have pretty much guaranteed workloads and you feel real good about, maybe you want one or two of those guys uh, instead of taking one or two running uh, wide receivers in the first couple rounds uh, as well. So I look at it like that. I'm recommending one running back in the first two rounds. You could take a, a wide receiver maybe in the second round, maybe Zach Ertz in the third round, and you could really fill out your wide receiver core um, in the fifth, sixth, not even the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth rounds. I mean, there's, there's exciting guys to take, uh, like the aforementioned uh, John Brown in the twelfth round. Uh, we talked about Chris Godwin uh, on the podcast the last couple of weeks, taking him in the twelfth or thirteenth round. Uh, so you want to leave some room for these fifth wide receiver five, wide receiver six, wide receiver sevens on your roster. And that means you don't necessarily overload the wide receiver position in the middle rounds. All right, John, let's dive into your tiers now. And we'll do it just like we did with the quarterbacks and the running backs. I'll list the entire tier. You give your thoughts on certain guys. You know, Antonio Brown, obviously a stud. You don't have to spend time much time on him. But if you've got thoughts on anybody in the tiers, uh, throw it out there. And if I've got something, I'll, I'll kind of piece it together as well. All right, tier one, Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, Michael Thomas of the Saints, and Keenan Allen. Yeah, and Antonio Brown's kind of in his own tier. I've got him projected for 323 fantasy points, uh, Hopkins at 290, so there's a little bit of a drop-off there between those two. Uh, but kind of lumping them together, the value, I think, is you know early second round, middle second round. If you get Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen as your second player, uh, in PPR formats, I think you're I think you're in really good shape. But any of these guys are, are should give you uh, wide receiver one numbers this year. 
Uh, and and I would think that Julio Jones too, just to kind of target him a little bit. It, he the touchdowns were um, you know the big disappointment for fantasy owners last year. They did target him a fair amount in the red zone. It's just they almost telegraphed some some of the the throws to him, and obviously he's seeing a lot of tension once you get in the red area. I do think that this is a big leap, but I think Steve Sarkeesian is going to have a, a little bit better year this year from play calling standpoint. Last year, he was trying to do what Kyle Shanahan did. So it was basically he was trying to learn the offense and the personnel. And he got better in the second half of the season, the Eagles playoff game notwithstanding. He got better in the second half. So I think maybe you see a touchdown upgrade for Julio this year. At least I hope so as a Falcon fan. Uh, Tier two, A.J. Green, Devontae Adams, Larry Fitzgerald, Adam Thielen, Doug Baldwin, Stephon Diggs. Yep, these are PPR ranks. So, you, you know, you're getting guys like Thielen in there, Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, top 10 numbers again. Uh, Fitzgerald is the value here. I've got, he's, he's going, I've got him right ninth in PPR. He's going uh, pick 312. So he's actually going behind Thielen, Baldwin, uh, Stefan Diggs, Mike Evans, who's in the next year. So uh, T.Y. Hilton as well. So in the next year. So uh, Larry Fitzgerald, if you, if you don't want to take a tight end early in the third round, or if, if Fitzgerald happens to go off the board and you do take a, you know, Zach Ertz or somebody in the, in the third round, um, Maybe Kelsey's still there. I don't know. Uh, but Larry Fitzgerald's a rock solid option in that third round. And you could, I mean, Thielen's good too. And he, they're ranked very closely. And uh, Baldwin's got the um, the knee injury. So, you know, he's moved down a, a couple spots. I had him ranked at nine, I think, prior to the injury. And I think Stefan Diggs is a really solid receiver and um, sh- should see a, a quarterback upgrade there with uh, uh, Kirk Cousins instead of uh, Case Keenum. So both Thielen and Diggs should benefit from that. And your guy, Devontae Adams in Green Bay, I thought it was interesting last year that even though uh, Adam Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers was hurt, Brett Hundley took over, Ad, Devontae Adams was still the guy there. And I think that that shows you a lot. Obviously, a better situation now with Aaron Rodgers coming back. Um, he's not necessarily somebody that's going to rack up a ton of yards, uh, especially yards after the catch. But Devontae Adams, I think uh, – you know, the fact that he gave, they gave him $18 million this offseason, they want him to be the guy this year, especially with Jordy Nelson uh, jettisoned to Oakland. Yeah, and I, just, to, just to piggyback on that, Devontae Adams, I have him ranked for the most passing or touchdown receptions, 10.9. Uh, he's tied with DeAndre Hopkins at 10.9, with Antonio Brown at 10.5. So a lot of his value stems from uh, red zone. Uh, and uh, Aaron Rodgers, he throws the ball so much in the red zone, and uh, Adams should really benefit from that, especially with Jordy gone. Tier three, Mike Evans, quick gripe on him. I think he sunk two of my fantasy teams last year because I was right in that like eight, nine range. And I said, well, both times I'll take Mike Evans and it wound up uh, hurting me big time. But Mike Evans is in tier three. Golden Tate, who seemingly is underrated every single year. T.Y. Hilton, Allen Robinson, who's now with the Bears, Demarius Thomas, Amari Cooper, and Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I'm low on Evans relative to my peers. He gets a ton of targets or he but he's just not real efficient when he does get the targets. And I think his targets will be a little bit more under pressure this year with uh, Chris Godwin emerging and, and OJ Howard emerging and Cameron Brate's still there. And there's the, going to be the quarterback change, excuse me, at the end of uh, September uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick going to James Winston. Um, I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick is necessarily bad for Evans. He actually, I think produced a bit more uh, with, with Fitzpatrick last year than with Winston, but, you know, changing a quarterback's not, not usually good. I just think his targets are under pressure and he's not, he's a guy that needs a ton of targets in order to, uh, produce. And I guess he's back or whatever they say, he's doing very well in, in camp and dominating in camp, but I'm just, I, I'd rather have Larry Fitzgerald. He's just a 
safer option in my opinion. Uh, but the guy in this ch- this tier that I'm getting a lot of in PPR formats is Golden Tate. Uh, he's since he's come over from uh, Seattle to uh, Detroit, uh, he's I think his average PPR finish is 16th. Uh, he's seeing a ton of targets, and with Eric Ebron ground, I think he might even see an uptick in targets uh, this year with a lot of those uh, targets over the middle. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, obviously back in that in the fold there in the conversation, wide receiver one conversation. Uh, Andrew Luck uh, with the with the shoulder injury, he looks like he's getting healthy. He's super dependent on uh, Luck, obviously uh, Hilton, and so. Uh, he's been he's been fantastic when Luck's been playing. Uh, Allen Robinson's interesting there in, in Chicago as the new wide receiver one for uh, Mitch Trubisky, and then Demarius Thomas, Samari Cooper, Tyree Kill. I think with Thomas, um, he's a pretty safe option there. Case Keenum's decent quarterback and should be an upgrade over who they had throwing the ball last year. Amari Cooper is supposedly going to be the focal point of the passing offense for Oakland, and with Michael Crabtree gone, uh, he's a chance to maybe emerge and, and take over that role. And then I think Hill, uh, his targets are a little bit under pressure with um, Sammy Watkins coming in. And there's a quarterback change there as well. So there's no guarantee that Hill's going to see the exact same role uh, that he has seen the last couple of years. Uh, regular listeners know that I've, I'm kind of high on the Bears, not as a playoff team, but as uh, as a team that's going to improve big time this year. I, th- I find Allen Robinson intriguing uh, of these tier three guys, John, going from that combination of John Fox and and Dowell Logans to uh, Matt Nagy and uh, Mark Helfrick that, you know, we saw a huge jump from Jeff Fisher to um, um, McVeigh in, in Los Angeles. I think you're going to see an interesting jump here too. I mean, you're, you're kind of going from again, 1980 style football where you're, you're so predictable to a guy that cut from the same cloth as like Philadelphia. And again, with McVeigh, I mean, this is a very smart play caller. Uh, Andy Reid, obviously disciple in Matt Nagy. I, I think, I think the bears offense could surprise some people this year. I'm not, I don't, don't say like, don't, don't, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying they're going to be 13 and three or do what the Rams did and surprise everybody and go to the playoffs, but I do think they're going to be improved this year. And I'll be targeting some of the, the bears fantasy players as well. All right, you heard, you heard it here. No, no, you heard it here, folks. Uh, uh, Anthony Stalzer predicted twelve and four. He's not saying thirteen and three, but he's saying twelve and four for the Chicago Bears. I, I better put a number on this: seven and nine. I think the Bears are going to go seven right. and nine this year. Uh, tier, tier four: Jarvis Landry, who makes the the move from Miami to Cleveland, and he's drawn all this attention on hard knocks for you know his one handed grabs and his big time fiery speeches in in meetings. So you got Jarvis Landry in tier four. You got Juju Smith Schuster, and then you got Michael Crabtree. Yeah, and I'm going to just mention the Tier 5 guys now. Marvin Jones, Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Cooks. And the difference between these two is really a scoring system. Tier 4, Landry, Smith-Schuster, Crabtree, mostly volume-driven. I guess Smith-Schuster is is not that volume-driven with 64 receptions projected. But Landry, 91, Crabtree, 84. And then you get into Marvin Jones, 56. Alshon Jeffrey, 62. Brandon Cooks, 55. So, you know, in standard formats, these two tiers would probably flip. Um, Landry, I think with, with Josh Gordon missing time, we don't know what's going on there. He's going to be the focal point of the passing game for the, for the uh, Browns. He's obviously impressing in camp with his, um, his play and just his approach to the game there. I really like Smith Schuster after great rookie season, uh, Martavis Bryant's out of the way. Um, good offense, uh, Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball. Everything's, everything's good there. Michael Crabtree. I, I can't quit this guy. Uh, I, in PPR formats, I love I love Crabtree. He's, he's been the primary target in the red zone for 
uh, Joe Flacco there in, in Baltimore. I think he'll he should get eighty catches and uh, maybe eight to ten touchdowns uh, there if he's uh, on the high end, eight to ten touchdowns. I have him projected for five point five right now, but that's a little bit low. Uh, and then Marvin Jones uh, played very well last year. My only concern uh, with him uh, is uh, Kenny Galladay coming in and, and maybe uh, infringing a little bit on his targets and eating up some of his opportunity. But Marvin's been very good over the last couple of years for Matthew Stafford and uh, Jim Bob Cooter. Jeffrey's got the shoulder injury. We don't know exactly when he'll be back, but they don't seem that worried, the coaching staff there. Uh, he's more of a 60 yards and maybe a touchdown type guy as opposed to a guy who's going to get you 100, 120 yards in a given week. But, um, you know, he's the best, probably the best receiver there for Philly. Uh, and Brandon Cooks, his, this is an interesting situation going to uh, the Rams uh, after they jettisoned uh, Sammy Watkins. I guess Cooks was the guy they originally were trying to get last year, and now they got him. He's got, I think, three straight seasons of over 1,000 yards. I don't know if that's going to continue with the – the way they spread the ball around there and you got Robert Woods and Cooper cup and uh, a couple of young tight ends there uh, catching the ball. So we'll see if cooks is able to um, keep it up. Um, he's more of a best ball uh, target for me and I'm not getting a whole lot of them just because I have him ranked lower than his ADP. Yeah. More, I'm, I'm a little skeptical on Brandon cooks because of the usage with Sammy Watkins. I know they're different players, but as you mentioned, that's not a high volume passing game in, in LA uh, despite all the success, success that they had last year. Don't forget, they like to get Todd Gurley involved too in the mm-hmm. passing game. I mean, they, they McVeigh really targeted him, especially in early downs. That's one of the reasons why I think they they had so so much success last year. So, while Brandon Cooks, really good player, very consistent. I, I do the Rams uh, profiles for the um, the weekly and then preseason as well. And I was a little lukewarm on on Brandon Cooks this year. I don't, I don't know if I'll be targeting him. All right, tier six, John Randall Cobb. Emmanuel Sanders, Jamison Crowder, Robert Woods, Robbie Anderson, Corey Davis, Chris Hogan. Yeah, this is that group where I start to really like the value that you're getting at this point, seventh, eighth, ninth round. Uh, like you can get Robbie Anderson in the ninth, tenth round in some drafts. And, you know, he finished in the top 15, 18 last year, depending on the scoring format. Like he's got the He's got that uh, off the field thing, but most of the charges were dropped and it looks like he's in the clear, you know, maybe, excuse me, maybe if he does get suspended, uh, it's a one or two game suspension. So it's not a big deal if he's your wide receiver three, wide receiver four. Uh, But, you know, he's the, he's the engine that makes that offense, uh, the passing offense anyway, go for the jets. And I just love the value in the eighth, ninth round. Uh, Randall Cobb with Jordy Nelson leaving, um, Cobb has averaged solid wide receiver two numbers in his last 22 games with a healthy uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so we're banking on that. I think the question mark with him is, is, is his ankle and his overall health. Is he able to play a, a 14 plus game season uh, for you? I think that that's, that's why he's going where he's going, but there's a lot of upside there. Manuel Sanders, uh, you know, second fiddle to Demarius Thomas in Denver quarterback upgrade, Jameson Crowder, Apparently has been a favorite target of uh, Alex Smith, which is not hugely surprising. Smith is regressing a little bit to his dink and dunk approach uh, after really pushing the ball downfield last year to Tyree Kill. Uh, Robert Woods, you wonder if his uh, role is going to stay the same uh, with Brandon Cooks coming in. But Woods was so efficient for them last year and was a top 20 receiver fantasy-wise. Corey Davis for the Titans um, should should uh, emerge as a 
bona fide uh, number one receiver, real world receiver for the for the Titans. Richard Matthews is dealing with injury uh, there as well, so it's opening the door for even more targets for Corey Davis. They took him in the early in the first round, so they, they're expecting big things from him. Chris Hogan should have a really good start to the season with uh, Julian Edelman out, uh, but he's a little bit spotty for my taste. But you can get some big games out of him. And I think you'll get definitely get some big games out of him in September with with Edelman sidelined. Yeah, I, I'm I'm actually considering taking Corey Davis as one of my keepers this year, just because of the the late round value. And quite frankly, my team isn't that great. Uh, I'm picking number one again in our in our draft, John. I'd, I'd like to say that I've been tanking for the last couple of years to try to upgrade my talent. Um, if it happens that way, it wasn't on purpose. I was actually trying to win, but. Getting back to Corey Davis, I mean, we, we keep talking about offensive coordinators, and I, I mentioned Matt Nagy, the play caller now in Chicago, the head coach. Matt LaFleur, comes, he's a Kyle Shanahan disciple. He's now the, the new OC in, in Tennessee. Corey Davis has loads of talent. I know he's coming off a bad year. He had the hamstring problems early last year, but I'm really intrigued by him this year. I'm, I'm hoping that in his third season, everything will come together for him and, and he'll have a breakout campaign. But maybe that's just me wishing against uh, you know hope or whatever, whatever the phrase is. Let's go to Tier 7. Marquise Goodwin, Sterling Shepard, Sammy Watkins, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, Pierre Garçon, Alan Hearns. Yeah, Goodwin and uh, Pierre Garçon are both in this tier, and I had Garçon ahead of Goodwin at the start of the season, but Goodwin has uh, really been impressing in camp. Multiple beat writers are saying that Goodwin is clearly uh, Garoppolo's favorite target, so he may pick up where he left off last year uh, as the the 49ers' number one receiver. Garçon is now, I think, 32 and has the neck coming off the neck injury. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be a good PPR wide receiver three, wide receiver four, but uh, he may not get the 140 targets that he needed uh, really to, to get into the top 20. Uh, Sterling Shepard, I like him as just from a talent standpoint. He's was the number one receiver by default last year because Odell Beckham and Brandon Marshall both got injured. I don't think Marshall was going to be too much of a threat to Shepard's workload anyway, but they both were out. So it was pretty much Shepard and Evan Ingram last year in the passing game. And uh, with Beckham back, he's going to see a little downgraded targets, but he shouldn't see any double teams or anything. So he should be a little more efficient with his targets. I'm a little skeptical about Sammy Watkins and KC just because, you know, he has been a while since he's had a huge impact fantasy wise. And um, I think he's, I think he's a part of one of the best receiving cores in, in football with Tyree kill and um, Travis Kelsey. I think that's why I'm pretty high on Patrick Mahomes, but uh, I wonder how much usage he's going to get if, he, if he's really going to see seven to nine targets a game that he needs to see to to be a wide receiver one or two. Uh, Will Fuller were just explosive last year uh, with Deshaun Watson in the lineup. Uh, just too many touchdowns to even count, and uh, you know they're going to regress there. I think in terms of their uh, touchdown rate, but Fuller has a lot of talent, a lot of deep speed, great best ball pick, uh, good young receiver, and you know DeAndre Hopkins is going to see most of the attention there. Kenny Stills. I don't know how he isn't a good value at his current ADP, which is in the 10th, 11th round. Um, Devontae Parker is not impressing in camp. They brought in uh, Albert Wilson and Danny Amendola, but they lost Jarvis Landry with 160 targets. So I think Stills has got to see an increase there. And he's been productive when he's had a big role in in, both in New Orleans and in, in Miami in recent years. And then finally, Alan Hearns, just by default, the most experienced uh, receiver there in Dallas, uh, Des Bryant gone, Jason Witten gone. Somebody's got to catch the ball. Um, and Hearns is going, what, 11th, 12th round. I think that's a good value for for a guy who has 
uh, produced in the NFL before. This tier eight really intrigues me. There's a couple, a couple of names. You've got Nelson Aguilar, Devin Funchess, Cooper Cup, Josh Gordon, who has uh, you know a dilemma here with the off-field stuff still. Cameron Meredith, who's now in a better situation in New Orleans. Although again, I'm high on Chicago, but last year he was hurt, and then you know you didn't have a great deal of coaching in Chicago. Marquise Lee, Jordy Nelson, Chris Godwin, and Julian Edelman. I I'm most intrigued by this tier eight because I feel like there's some sleepers, John. Yeah, there's a couple of guys here that could be ranked significantly higher if not for some off-field stuff going on. Uh, Julian Edelman, his projection, you know, I, I do projections that to kind of turn into rankings, but I've got him projected for 12 games. And if you divide his point total by 12, multiply by 16, he's he ends up in the top 20. So for the last 12 weeks of the season, you can get a um, – you know, a wide receiver two type in PPR formats if you draft him. And if he's still on the board in the seventh round, you kind of have to go off script and kind of go off the rankings a little bit and, and take Edelman. Um, I, the same sort of goes for Josh Gordon because we just don't know what's going on with him. And I think he was going too early uh, when we thought he was going to play, in my opinion. He was going like late third, fourth round. And that's too much of an investment for me given his history of uh, missing games generally and just how he's played. Uh, since he's, you know, when he's been active uh, over the last couple seasons that he's been active. So it hasn't been as good as that one season where he just tore it up and made the Pro Bowl. It's been significantly less. So a lot of, a lot of talent there. If he's still on the board, seventh round, eighth round, you take a, you know, take a risk with him. Um, you know, Aguilar had a kind of a breakout season last, last year. I think Funchess's, um Targets are under pressure now with DJ Moore in and Greg Olson, a healthy and back. I, I, I'm not as high in Funches as a lot of other people. I think Cooper Cup's in part of a spread it out offense and, you know, should have some good games, but it's going to be hard to predict which week. Cameron Meredith, I liked a lot heading into last year. He was going to be the Bears' number one receiver, and I was pretty high in him, I think, eighth, eighth ninth round. And now he's with the Saints. He's going to be probably the number two option there. Um Amongst the receivers, uh, Alvin Kamara obviously is going to get, get a ton of targets out of the backfield. But I, I like Meredith's talent, and I think that in that offense, if they start to shift back, regress a little bit back to be more of a pass-first offense, then he's really going to um, benefit from that. Uh, Marquise Lee is probably the leader of a pretty talented and deep uh, and even a receiving core there in Jacksonville. It's hard to figure out who's going to be playing even as opposed to even putting up fantasy points, it's just four or five, six guys that everybody's been getting buzz in camp. Uh, but Lee, since he's joined the team and has been playing, has been targeted six, seven times a game and has been pretty productive. Um, Jordy Nelson, uh, changing teams, getting a, a quarterback downgrade. I know Josh Hermsmeyer just wrote an article about how he's going to break out um, this year due to his air yards or whatever, but I haven't, I haven't read it. I am afraid to, because I've made my mind up on Nelson and, don't need any more information on him, but uh, <laughs> no, I just don't like the quarterback. You, you down. can't convince me otherwise. Yeah. I don't, it's some serious bias right there, but um, I'll read it and figure out if I want to move up at all. But Nelson has a quarterback downgrade big time from uh, Aaron Rodgers, who he had a mind melt with to uh, Derek Carr. Uh, and I just don't see it. I just don't see it, but he, his, his cost is so cheap right now that maybe you can justify it. Uh, it's not like he's going in the top 20, like he would have been if he had stayed in green Bay. We talked a lot about Godwin uh, in the last couple of weeks. I really think he's he's one of my favorite 12th, 13th round sleepers right now. Um, he's going to start apparently for the 
for the Buccaneers ahead of Deshaun Jackson. And, um, you know, he played very well last year and when he was able to, to see significant uh, snaps and uh, significant targets. So uh, Godwin is definitely somebody I'm trying to add actively as my wide receiver five, wide receiver, wide receiver six. Let's talk a little bit about sleepers before we wrap things up. You got DJ Moore, the rookie in Carolina, Tyler Lockett, John Brown, who you talked about earlier. Cortland Sutton is also a rookie. Michael Gallup, a rookie. Geronimo Allison in Green Bay. Taiwan Taylor, and then Bryce Butler. And then I'm, I'm a little offended. You don't have Calvin Ridley in this group either. Yeah, uh, maybe you could comment on Calvin Ridley. Uh, DJ Moore, the top receiver taken. I'm very interested to see who has more targets end of the year, or at least more targets per game between Funchess and, and DJ Moore. Uh, I'm very, I don't, I don't know how to peg this uh, receiving core very well. I, I had more ahead of Funchess for a while. And then I think I moved Funchess back ahead of more. And it's just one of these where I, I don't really believe in Funchess's talent as much as uh, just his volume last year. So I'm, I don't know. I'm concerned about him. Tyler Lockett, I think, could see a big, big upgrade in targets and role there for Seattle with uh, uh, Paul Richardson gone, Jimmy Graham gone, Doug Baldwin uh, dinged up. I think Lockett has some talent, a lot of speed, and he was still recovering last year from that uh, injury, and I think he's fully back now. So he's uh, definitely on my radar. Uh, we talked about John Brown earlier. Uh, the two, the two um, rookies that I listed here, Cortland Sutton has been generating a, lot, a ton of buzz in Denver's camp. The The issue here is that he's the third receiver behind Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. And so so we're not real sure what his role will be uh, week in, week out. Is he going to play 70, 80% of the snaps? Are he going to play that much 11 personnel? Or is it going to be, um, you know, he's, he's playing 50% of the snaps. But he's got big size and is, has been a big red zone target for uh, Case Keenum there. So I upgraded Keenum a little bit because I think Sutton's uh, – going to be good enough to, to help him. Michael Gallup uh, in, in Dallas, for the same reasons I like Alan Hearns, I think Gallup has a chance to emerge because uh, they, they can't run the ball on every down there. Geronimo Allison has apparently uh, won the wide receiver three job or is leading it by a wide enough margin that uh, we don't have to worry about Jermon Moore or uh, Mar- Marquez Scantling or St. Equinemius St. Brown right now. Uh, Alice, the third receiver in in uh, Green Bay tends to have fantasy value. They play 75, 80% of the snaps and, and Allison, uh, you know, knows Aaron Rodgers and knows where he's, where he's supposed to be uh, in that offense. So he's going to have some good games. Uh, Taewon Taylor with Richard Matthews kind of dinged up and we're not sure when he's going to be back. He's been playing quite a bit in, in camp and making turning heads there. Uh, if this offense does take off uh, under uh, Matt LaFleur, the passing game takes off a little bit, then I think Taylor will be a primary beneficiary there uh, along with uh, Corey Davis. And then uh, in Arizona, uh, I'm intrigued to see how much Bryce Butler gets targeted. Uh, He's been a very high fantasy points per target player, but just hasn't been able to crack the starting lineup anywhere um, for any length of time. And last year he was playing behind Terrence Williams in Dallas, because I guess the, the Cowboys love Williams's blocking. Um, but I like my wide receivers to <clears throat> make catches and score touchdowns. So we'll see what we'll see what Butler's able to do in Arizona because there's a you know a ton of targets up for grabs there with Jaron Brown and John Brown uh, both leaving. Um, and you know Butler looks like he's going to start with with Larry Fitzgerald, uh, you know, be in the starting lineup. So he's got a chance to to surprise as well. All right, that's uh, well. Actually, you know what I, I gave you some crap about Calvin Ridley, but you know what the problem is there to Leo Jones. Yeah, I mean, Julio Jones, he's going to get his 10 targets a game. 
uh, with Calvin Ridley kind of sliding in. Muhammad Sanu is is I think I think Calvin Ridley has more potential than Muhammad Sanu, but it's not like Sanu's going to completely evaporate. And then you've got. Devontae Freeman in the passing game. Tevin Coleman is supposed to get more targets. Austin Hooper, we've been hearing about him for a year or so. I don't think Calvin Ridley is going to carve out a huge role unless there's an injury. So while I gave John a little bit of uh, some some crap there, I, I wouldn't take Calvin Ridley. I was just I was just <laughs> upset that you didn't have him among the other rookies. So, well, let me ask you this: Do you think you think Ridley will out target Sanu? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, probably not. I think it'll be close, but probably not. I wouldn't bet on it. I think because, I think Stanu still sees a lot of targets in the slot. Yeah, he was good for them last year. He had 96 targets, so that's that, you know, 67 mm-hmm. catches, 703 yards, five touchdowns, probably as well as, I guess it was the second best season as a pro. Um, yeah. He had a pretty good year with Cincinnati back in 2014, but... Yeah, he's holding down that slot, 6'2", big big size there. I just don't see Ridley like putting too much of a dent. You know, maybe maybe Sanu sees 75, 80 targets instead of ninety six. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could see Sanu getting maybe five to six targets and Calvin Ridley only getting between two and four a game. So Okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that's just my educated guess on that. All right, that's it for today. Remember to use the code TMAP to get 10% off any subscription to at 4 for 4 Next week, we'll be back with a deep dive into the tight end position. For now, for John Paulson, you can follow on Twitter at 4 4 underscore John. You can follow me at Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast. Feeling, I just-